Unfortunately, if you're around sports, ACL injuries have become more and more common, more common now than in decades past. And ACL injuries are season ending. They can be very devastating for athletes that suffer them and go through the rehab process. And I often find that a little education, knowledge, resources that can help guide you along the process to recover from ACL injuries. Whether you're a practitioner helping ACL patients, if you've recently suffered an ACL injury, I know how devastating that can be. Or if you wanna educate yourself more on injury prevention strategies to prevent ACL injuries, you're in the right place. This is going to be a basic overview of strategies, concepts, information that will help you better understand what the ACL actually is, how we can prevent some of the ACL injuries, and rehab and strength and conditioning practices that will help you to ensure effective and safe recovery following ACL reconstruction. This is not only for the immediate short term, but also your long term knee health and overall health of your body. You want to make sure that you can do all of the things that you love to do and protect that knee for the rest of your life. Welcome to the HNL Movement Podcast, where everything is geared to leveling up your performance in activities, sports, and life. Join me in my professional journey as I share my knowledge and experiences while also learning from professionals, colleagues, clients, and you with one goal in mind, how to optimize human performance. This is the right place to learn how a multidimensional approach will sustain the performance and lifestyle you desire. Welcome back everyone to the HNL Movement Podcast. For all of my new listeners, you're in the right place to hear about everything that's dealing with optimizing your performance. For all of my returning listeners, thank you again for tuning in for another episode. I appreciate everyone's support. If you haven't heard some of the previous library of episodes, go check that out on all of your favorite podcasting platforms. Also, I've been putting up video highlight clips on my YouTube channel. Short clips are going up daily, so you can check that out. Watch some of the video content that matches some of the audio content that you've been listening to. Also check out my social media channels. You can just find me at HNL Movement. If you have any questions, you like what you see, comment, message me. I would love to interact and try to help in any way that I can. Without taking too much more time, let's jump into today's episode. Today's episode is all about ACL injuries. And this is something that I've dedicated a lot of time to in my clinical practice and also in my PhD studies, trying to study ACL injuries and all the related aspects when it comes to training, injury prevention, even trying to keep your knee health and function as best as it can be years and decades after ACL reconstruction surgery. This episode today is going to be a little different and this audio content that you're listening to is going to match a video version that will be up on YouTube. So the parts that I'm referring to these animations and graphics, all of that you'll be able to watch on the video version that's gonna be up on YouTube. So when you have a chance, you can check that out, but let's jump straight into this episode. So first, let's start off with what the ACL actually is and what it actually does functionally and biomechanically in your knee. So if we look at this 3D animated model, you can see the two cruciate ligaments here. You're gonna see your ACL and your PCL. This is your PCL and this labeled part is your ACL. You can see that your ACL, it starts on this posterior medial intercondylar notch and it is going to travel more anteriorly, slightly medially, and then it's gonna insert and attach to the tibia in that medial intercondylar eminence between the anterior horns of the meniscus. So if we look on the left leg now, I removed the femur, so you can kind of see the path of how the ACL is traveling in this anterior medial fashion and attaching right in between the anterior horns of the medial and lateral menisci. 
Now we're back on the right knee and we're looking from the lateral side. So we're looking laterally on the outside of your knee, looking towards your leg. And because of this path that it's traveling in this more anterior fashion, basically the ACL is gonna prevent the tibia from moving forward relative to the femur. So that's anterior translation of the tibia. Also because of how it's oriented, it is also gonna prevent internal tibial rotation relative to the femur. So it's going to prevent the tibia from twisting internally as if your foot was turning inwards. And this is relative to the position of the femur. And when you're looking at the ACL, so how big is the ACL? Basically the length of the ACL, it's anywhere on average between two and a half to about four centimeters in length. And in this model, you can kind of see that it actually goes from moderate thickness here, then it kind of thins out towards the middle where it's the thinnest. And then the footprint on the tibia, that's where it's the thickest. So because of that, most ACL tears as depicted here, it tears in the thinnest portion, right in the middle area of the ACL ligament. The ACL is a pretty strong ligament. Literature will say that it has a maximum tensile strength of approximately 1700 to maybe 2000 newtons of force. And to put that into perspective, when we're playing sports, running, cutting, jumping, this could be a lot less than the maximum forces that we encounter in those athletic activities. Of course, we have stability that's enhanced by dynamic stabilizers, such as our muscles that's helping to protect our knee joint and control our movements. But in order for all of this dynamic stability from our muscles to occur, we need to have effective and efficient proprioceptive feedback back to our central nervous system so that we can adequately adapt and make the necessary changes to protect our knee. Not only protect our knee, but also perform and do the tasks that we want to do. So beyond its mechanical role, the ACL plays a very important part in proprioception and helps us to sense and control our knee whenever we're performing any types of these sports activities that can place high stress and a lot of demand on our knee. So how do you actually tear your ACL? What is the mechanism of injury? There is a mechanical aspect to this. Obviously the tensile strength cannot withstand some of the forces that we are doing in sports. But that doesn't necessarily mean that when your knee is under higher amounts of stress or loads that your ACL is going to get injured. Research and anecdotal findings do agree that most of the ACL injuries occur with non-contact mechanisms, meaning that there was no external forces or something coming into contact with your knee, causing it to be forced in a valgus position or placing stress that would tear your ACL. These non-contact injuries occur usually when you're changing direction, you're pivoting, you're cutting, you're landing, and it's usually happening with some type of neuromuscular loss of control. So the most common mechanism to tear your ACL is with a valgus force. That's when your knee is going inwards towards the midline of your body or the opposite leg. And in this position, a lot of things can happen. It can force your tibia anteriorly. It can cause your tibia to start to rotate internally. Usually when we're decelerating, trying to slow down our body, slow down our momentum, it can cause your tibia to rotate internally. And then that change of direction component comes into play. Basically your tibia is still rotating internally. And then your femur, you start to try to generate force, change direction, cut the other way, jump. And that forces your femur, your thigh bone externally, the opposite direction of where your tibia is rotating internally. And again, that's what stresses the ACL. A lot of this is neural control. Something happened, it's almost like a glitch in our neuromuscular system that caused this to happen. And basically for that split second, your muscles cannot provide adequate dynamic stability in the task that you've done many, many times before. The other mechanism that can injure your ACL is by extreme and rapid hyperextension of your knee as well. 
because again, that will cause the tibia to want to translate anteriorly relative to the femur, and that can stress and tear your ACL. It's also important to note that the ACL lengthens between 90 degrees of knee flexion as it moves into full knee extension. And that's because the tibia is translating anteriorly relative to the femur. And when you look at majority of the mechanisms, it's happening in that range of motion where you're trying to transition out of that knee flex position. And that makes sense because that is when our ACL is under tension, the position combined with that loss of neuromuscular control, that is what causes our ACL to take up all that stress. And if it exceeds the stress of what the ACL can tolerate, that is what's going to tear and injure your ACL. Again, as I mentioned before, a lot of this stress happens in more intense activities, sports activities, more explosive and rapid change of direction activities, because under normal daily loads, typically we don't experience enough knee forces that would stress our ACL that much. It has been shown that with normal daily activities, our tensile strength of our ACL is only about 20% of the force of what the ACL can actually handle before it fails. So the big question that I get asked is how do you know if you tore your ACL? And the one thing I want to emphasize here is that you should get checked out by a sports medicine professional. Not every ACL is going to swell up, have extreme pain, or even extreme loss of function. Although that might be common, I have seen people walk off the field or court, try to weight bear, try to go back into the activity, or even finish out that practice or game. Although that is more rare again, it is not out of the realm of possibilities. So make sure that you do get checked out to rule out that you don't have any significant damage or injury to your knee. Most people will experience when they injure their ACL, they'll feel instability, they'll feel a pop, oftentimes pain, although that doesn't present itself in 100% of the ACL injuries. And it will typically be with one of the mechanisms that I just talked about, that extreme internal rotation and knee valgus angle that will cause this stress placed on the ACL. When you do get checked out, beyond taking a history, finding out what's going on, typically what's done is a ligamentous stress test. Most of the times a Lachman's test, maybe an anterior drawer test to see how much that tibia translates anteriorly, or a pivot shift test to see how much laxity and if the ACL is compromised. And of course, if you go to the doctor and they suspect an ACL injury, most of the time you'll get some type of imaging done to confirm the clinical findings. So exactly how common are ACL injuries? Unfortunately, it's becoming more and more prevalent in sports, and this could be due to a lot of factors. It's very multifactorial what influences ACL injuries. According to the National Athletic Trainers Association's position statement on ACL injuries, this is something that is continuing to rise with approximately 200,000 ACL injuries occurring per year in the US alone. These ACL injuries again are very common among young athletes participating in those cutting and pivoting sports. And the greatest occurrence of ACL injuries is in high school and collegiate athletes. So what are some of the treatment options should you sustain an ACL injury? Typically what will happen is if you want to resume any type of sports, any type of activities that involve lateral movement, rotational movement, jumping, the best option right now is to get your ACL reconstructed. And this involves getting surgery where they'll use some type of graft to reconstruct and put a new ACL in your knee. The most common types of grafts used in the younger population is your patellar tendon, bone tendon bone graft, or your hamstring graft, which is using your semitendinosus to reconstruct that ACL. Throughout my career, I have seen ACL reconstruction surgeries advance and also provide the athlete with the best chance to return back to their sport. But with that being said, it's not 100% that you're going to be able to return to that level of activity prior to your injury. 
Also coming out of the NATA's position statement on ACLs, this was back in 2018, but they provide this statistic that an estimated 82% of individuals return to sport participation of any kind. Only about 63% of people return to their pre-injury level of sports participation, and only 44% return to competitive sports. 44%, that's less than half of the ACL reconstructions returning back to that competitive level of sports. That already tells you that there's a whole lot of other aspects that need to be addressed, retrained, make sure that you're prepared to handle the demands of your sport activity, not only to prevent injuries, but also to perform at that competitive level again. Why is this? It's because ACL reconstructions, the surgery, the technology, the techniques have advanced a lot over the decades, but ACL injuries have way more than just a mechanical aspect to knee function and overall movement. Surgeries have focused on this mechanocentric approach, which is reconstructing your ACL from a mechanical approach. But it's not effective at restoring the neurosensory function, the damaged mechanoreceptors, and any impaired somatosensory feedback that our ACL was responsible for doing originally. Therefore, there's a lot of things that we need to retrain. We need to retrain that proprioceptive feedback, that neuromuscular control, and making sure that you can execute this not only in a controlled environment, but also when you return back to your sport on the field or the court. This entails a lot of continual and long-term training that you have to do to make sure that your knee is functioning well and optimally. One of the long-term effects of sustaining ACL injuries is that you increase your risk of developing osteoarthritis. And typically that happens a lot earlier in life with those that have previous histories of ACL injuries. Many times young athletes, they're not too concerned about what's happening 10, 20, 30 years down the line, but osteoarthritis itself, it's a very debilitating disease and it often influences a lot of other aspects of health and takes a toll on the overall quality of your life. As I started to dive into this a little bit more in my research in my PhD studies, one surprising fact was that one aspect of research agrees that with or without ACL reconstruction surgery, there is no difference in the risk of developing osteoarthritis. And this is due in large part to the complexity of ACL injuries. It doesn't only have a mechanical aspect to it. It has a physiologic, metabolic, biochemical influence to what's actually happening, the changes that's happening within the knee joint. And all of these changes are a result of the damage or injury to your native original ACL. There's so many other influences that could factor in into ACL injuries as well. Things like genetics, anatomy, bony structures, the laxity of your joints and your ligaments. You can see how many influences and how multifactorial ACL injuries actually are. Although many of those things we can't control, it has been shown that injury prevention programs, adequate rehab, how we're addressing and retraining the neuromuscular system to move and control our knee joint, all of those areas have been shown to be effective and create positive adaptations when it comes to addressing our knee and ACL injuries. I know that was a lot of information, so what's the take home points? The key things is that the ACL is one of the big primary stabilizers in the knee. Yes, it does have a big mechanical role, but beyond that, it has a big proprioceptive role and it contributes greatly to normal dynamics in your knee. Unfortunately, it is one of the most common ligaments injured in the knee. Typically, if you're returning back to sports or any high level of activities, you're going to need ACL reconstruction surgery. But with that, there's a lot of things that need to be restored. As we saw with the statistic, only 44% of people undergoing ACL reconstruction return to competitive sport levels. 
Injury prevention and good training methods, that all plays a positive role into keeping your knee healthy and reducing your risk for these ACL injuries. If you do injure your knee, no matter how big or small, it's always good to get checked out by a sports medicine professional. Because again, there are those less common instances where you can still function. You don't have a lot of pain, not too much swelling. You may have even been able to try to continue playing, but that doesn't necessarily mean that you didn't injure your ACL. It's always best to go get checked out and rule out any significant knee injuries. ACL reconstructions give you the best chance to return to high levels of sports and all of these activities involving running, cutting, sprinting, jumping, any type of change of direction, rotational types of movements. After any type of ACL reconstruction surgery, there's a lot of things that need to be restored. The rehab process and continual strength and conditioning process, even years after your surgery, that is key to optimal knee function, optimal knee health, and trying to reduce the risk of long-term effects following your ACL injuries, especially reducing the risk of developing osteoarthritis. This is a brief overview of many key points to give you information about ACL injuries. That is all that I have for this episode. Hopefully I gave you a lot of information about the ACL and ACL injuries. Stay tuned for more episodes. I plan to do a lot more ACL related topics in the future. Be sure to check out my social media and my YouTube channel. Follow and subscribe to stay up to date with all of this content. Other than that, new podcast episodes come out every Tuesday. So I will be back here same time, same place next week. Have a great week everyone. And until then, aloha.